Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mind of a Madman. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mind of a Madman. Uh, I've got my coffee ready, got a cigarette in hand, and I've also got William Blackwell yet again on the line. William, how you doing, man? Oh, hey, brother. I'm doing great. Also, you're drinking coffee at 8 o'clock at night? Dude, I can drink a pot of coffee before I go to bed and sleep just fine, okay? It don't bother me. And Fred made it, so I figured I can't let it go to waste. <laughs> well, the reason we got Will on here again, one thing is he wanted to do it. So I was like, hey, cool. I always like having somebody to bounce off of. And number two, I'm going to do something a little different this time. Last week, I interviewed Will about his wrestling career and whatnot. This week, we're going to turn the tables and Will is going to interview me. So Will, let's go ahead and get started, buddy. Oh, man, so I'm going to steal a couple of notes from you, sir. So let's just start at basic. What's your background? Who the hell are you? Why the hell are you? And how the hell are you? Well, that was kind of a very strange loaded question. Uh, <laughs> um, Essentially, like, who are you in wrestling? Why did you want to become a wrestler? And what was your process to getting to, not necessarily where you are now, but just kind of getting started? All right, well... Uh, originally out of Louisiana, moved to Arkansas about 16 years ago. Um, roughly about seven years ago, uh, uh, Josh Cross found me. I was just doing some dumb shit. We'll just leave it at that. But, uh, Josh offered to train me and, uh, about a year later, uh, I got to step into the ring for the first time against Josh. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, the butterflies were, were rampant that night. Uh, my knees were shaking like crazy, not because uh, I had old knee I've got old knees, but just because of the nerves. <laughs> but we got through it, and I learned that night right there that uh, the old saying is, if you think you're going too slow, you're still not going slow enough. Boy, I was trying to go 90 to nothing, and it looked like crap. So <laughs> we'll leave that at that. But uh, yeah. I uh, wrestle under the name of Cataclysm, uh, kind of a psychotic cult leader type deal. And uh, come February 28th will be six years I've been doing this. Uh, Christ, you're old. You, you shut up, man. I, I just turned 40, okay? I'm I'm the DDP of Arkansas Wrestling, so. Oh, brother. So can I make a comment on the, uh, there's one thing you skipped over. I was really hoping you were going to say something about, uh, which is like the pre Josh cross. What do you mean? So what you were doing in wrestling before Josh cross stumbled upon you, uh, I think is very interesting in a, a story worth telling it, but I guess you're not the type to put yourself over. It's hard. Uh, as some others would be. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting that while you're only six years in, you were doing, I guess, I, I don't even know that I want to call it backyard stuff because it was more so friends just fucking around. And I got what, you. Uh, what you I got showed you. Me and what I've seen. But you thought about it. Like your brain was already working like it was an actual show. Like you were already thinking about wrestling on a higher level than 
some of the guys that are like 10 year vets that I interact with. And I think that's an important part of, uh, of who you are. And okay. And kind of like the, of everything. well, and I, I usually do kind of gloss over that because, you know, there is a large portion of, of the wrestling community that does, you know, look down on, on that kind of stuff. But we weren't trying to like put it out there like we were an actual promotion and stuff like that. But yes, we, we did the backyard stuff. You know, I actually had an actual ring and we ran it like, like it was an actual show. And for me, I feel like, you know, I mean, a week to week, you know, coming up with different, you know, storylines and character development and stuff like that. I really, I do feel like that actually is what helped me transition into it a little bit more than most people when they first start out. Uh, when when I first started training, I had in mind exactly how I wanted to be portrayed. I, I never varied from that. I, I mean, yes, I, uh, I feel the character has evolved, but, you know, the cataclysm you see today is what I envisioned the first time Josh stepped into the ring with me and you know, said, Hey, you've got a possibility of doing something with this, you know? And I mean, you know, I, I ain't saying I'm any kind of superstar or nothing like that, but you know, I've, I've worked for majority of the promotions in Arkansas. I've got to work in, you know, uh, Tennessee, Mississippi, you know, stuff like that. You know, I'm not like well-traveled like a lot of people, but I feel like, you know, in, in my little niche area or whatever like that, you know, I feel like I've accomplished quite a bit in a short amount of time. And, Honestly, I could I can honestly say that what we did out here at my house for nearly eight years uh, attributed to that. You know. Oh yeah, well you're certainly a craftsman uh, rather than like you said. Like you said, you were not like well traveled, so you're definitely not like I, I don't know if you're trying to be a journey guy at any point, but you're definitely not like going. It seems for the journeyman thing. But no, I'm shit, no, like, I'm, uh, I'm old as shit, dude. I, I'm not stressed over a long-ass drive, so. <laughs> you, you, uh, hey, look, man, as good as you are, someone will fucking pay you to fly you out one day. But, uh, no, it's one of those things where it's like you've always been a craftsman and shit, which I very much attribute to your thinking and how you thought. Because I've watched some of those old videos, and they're <laughs> the wrestling is not good. <laughs> but uh, as, as we can all uh, look back at ourselves. But, like, again, I always just found it interesting how well you thought about these things and how uh, how put together you were, even when it was just uh, some buddies and a pair of gym shorts. Uh, I, think, I always thought that was really cool. Uh, and, and personally, I think you should be proud of where you came from. Fuck anybody that's, uh, that's going to put you down for that. Um, you had mentioned the uh, your vision for the character of Cataclysm. And I, I guess, like, most people, when they have a vision for their character in, in wrestling or uh, in any kind of entertainment medium, they uh, there's an inspiration for it. There's somebody that drew that out of them. Uh, you care to talk about your inspirations for wrestling, whether uh, they be uh, anywhere else or even the fellow workers here at home? Well, I mean, in all honesty, when, when I first you know, started developing what I wanted to do, you know, I really didn't know any of the people. I honestly didn't even know there was a wrestling scene in Arkansas. You know, that's why I was doing things the way we were doing, you know, because I wasn't aware, you know, outside of uh, uh, TCW, 
um, outside of them, I really didn't even know that there was anything to do with wrestling in Arkansas. Uh, so, so primarily, you know, I always enjoyed watching like, you know, you know, darker characters, of course, you know, I mean, you can definitely tell that, uh, you know, Undertaker, Kane, Mankind, I mean, you know, bring in your old, older, you know, Papa Shango, uh, go back way far, Missing Link, you know, guys like that, that really, you know, it was more about the substance of their character than what they could do in the ring, you know, which they're all, you know, amazing performers, but you, you get what I'm saying on that. Um, yes. and then, you, you know, you move into the, the newer, newer age, you know, um, you know, boogeyman, you know, no matter what he could do in the ring, the character w- was phenomenal, you know, uh, even likes of, you know, Kevin Thorne or, or, you know, newer age, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, Bray Wyatt to me, I don't give a shit. Bray Wyatt is phenomenal. You know, I don't care if people, you know, think he's been buried a thousand times. The motherfucker knows how to bring himself right back up, you know. So, so the you know the darker the darker characters have always been, you know, the ones I've studied more than anything, you know, outside of you know like watching some of the you know the more technical guys, you know, along along the lines of like you know Benoit, Malenko, Regal, stuff like that. Even though I don't really incorporate stuff like that, I really enjoy you know studying that kind of stuff and. So that way, when I do pop off, you know, some kind of technical stuff, it catches people off guard, you know. But for the most part, though, man, honestly, Undertaker and Mankind were my my biggest influences, you know, because I really didn't get into wrestling until, you know, until those guys became more more the predominant, you know, characters in wrestling. Um you know, like during the Monday Night Wars, you know, you know, I was a channel flipper. I always, you know, back and forth between WWE and du- or WWF or whatever it was and WCW, you know. But uh, if Mankind or Undertaker was on the screen, that's where I was at, man. Oh, yeah. So is there anybody, so you mentioned uh, I, I, the deep cut of Kevin Thorne. What a, <laughs> I haven't heard that name in many moves. And yeah, oh, dude, my question I, I loved it. Do what? Would you, would you say, I said, and you answered my question to follow with this, with a more modern uh, wrestler in Bray Wyatt. So I guess to expand off of that, is there somebody you think in modern wrestling, uh, in any scene that fits this barometer of yours of like a dark character that's still like interesting and the wrestling takes a backseat to what they're doing? Uh, that's just kind of underlooked. If you would say, man, that guy's got that guy or that girl has got it fucking nail on the head. They just haven't been seen yet. Well, and it's it's for me. I've always been more drawn to the character work than the actual ability. You know, like right. uh, like look at what Matt Hardy did with the the broken stuff. Mo- those most cheesy, god awful stuff you could think of, but man, it got over. It, it worked, you know, and. I mean, I, it for like someone like him to reinvent himself so many times, you know, I uh, you know, yeah. and then again, Bray Wyatt, he's essentially, since since Husky Harris disappeared, <laughs> Bray Wyatt has essentially been 
the same Bray Wyatt, but it's been different evolutions of the character. Cause like I, I watched a lot of, I watch a lot of like, you know, videos about, you know, people trying to analyze like the Firefly Funhouse stuff and whatnot. The titles of all of his episodes of the Funhouse corresponded with promos he did when he was in the Hawaiian shirt out in the swamp area, you know? So like, you know, to see someone put that much thought into a character, but it's something that people may not even pick up on to me is just phenomenal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, outside of Bray Wyatt, I have, I have a hard time finding people that really dive into the character. You know, I mean, it, it's because nowadays people, you know, they see some kind of character wrestler and they think, you know, it's cheesy, it's over the top, it's not real. You know, like, you know, Doink the Clown, who's a creepy son of a bitch, would not get over the way he did then in this day and age. So the character wrestlers have really taken a back seat to the, to the flashy wrestlers, you know? Well, I think that also might just be, and we'll just dive into this for a second, just because I'm selfish and have to throw a comment in. Uh, I, I, I think you, you're right as far as mainstream wrestling goes, but I see on the independents, a lot of the people that are making real money and getting a lot of real bookings are the character people. Uh, there's just a lot of people go to a wrestling school and they're maybe not taught that part of everything yet. They learn a really good wrist lock and then that's it. And they're like, this is what wrestling is. And they go out into the world and they're just not uh, clicking. And there's a lot of that out there. Like I think doink, if they did it right, uh, would be fucking amazing in the modern day. Probably not in WWE, probably not in AEW. We'll see. Put and- him on like a, and that's and that's awesome. that's what I was talking about though was the mainstream guys. I, indie wrestling, okay. indie wrestling is one of the to, to me this day and age is one of the most diverse yet similar genres that you can find. You know, I mean, yeah, you got your guys that can fly around and all, but unless they put personality behind it, they come a dime a dozen. But then when you get, find somebody that can blend that with an actual character and actually have some personality behind it, that's when they excel to that next level. Right. So, well, before we, before we go on, I'm going to throw a little, uh, little promotional commercial thing in here right right for a second so we'll be right back March 13th 2021 AWO the Arkansas Wrestling Organization invades Hard Rider Bar and Grill for their second anniversary show see stars such as AWO champion Gary and Tear the limit breaker D Mike the Tag Team Champions, Pretty Queer, Ray Ray, Insane Shane, and many more. Special start time at 7 o'clock, ages 21 and up, $10 tickets and mask are required. AWO Anniversary 2 at Hard Rider Bar and Grill, 6613 John Harden Drive in Cabot, Arkansas. Make sure you're there. 
And we are back. And I hope anybody listening, if you can come on out to Hard Rider Bar and Grill and Cabot, hey, come see us, have some fun. All right, Will, let's get back on track, what we were talking about. Go ahead. Good, sir. So, I guess uh, we'll we'll get more back to uh, personal stuff in here in just a moment because I think we're on the right track to follow this up. So, you mentioned character, which I imagine is going to be part of your answer or overall uh, philosophy for this. And I would say for putting together a match – Right. Okay. Uh, there's always a structure and a rhyme and a rhythm and a reason. No matter if you've got uh, a two-year-long angle that's been running forever, or if you're on an, a brother-brother show and you're just two guys that got thrown together in an exhibition that night. There's always some kind of structure and rhyme and reason and method to what you're doing. And I would just like to ask you what you think the most important piece of match structure is that. Maybe not everybody is uh, getting down these days. Uh, crowd involvement. I mean, to me, you know, like it may not be like the actual structure of a full match or whatnot, but man, the crowd involvement is is ninety nine percent of everything we do. If the crowd's not into it, there's no point in even doing it. You know. So I mean, you know, if if you're you know heel baby whatever you want to call it, you have to. You have to set out that that night to make the crowd want to see you more or hate you more, depending on you know which side of the fence you're on. But I mean, that's the main right. thing is you know you've got to get that that crowd involved and you've got to build. You know, you've got to build to to the end of the match. You know, if say if 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 I'm going to win with like a Fujiwara. 90% of what I'm going to do is I'm going to beat the shit out of your arm, you know, but I'm also going to make right. sure the crowd knows what I'm doing, what my intentions are and make sure they see I'm causing pain, you know, that and right. for me, that that's, that's more, dude, you could, you could go out there and completely shit the bed and have one of the worst matches you ever had in your life. But if the crowd's into it, that's all that matters. I don't give a shit what, you know, someone someone else that may have done this for longer, if they tell you it sucked, it don't matter. The crowd is into it. That's what matters. That's fair. Love to hear. So with that uh, being your position on match structure, uh, if you were to take wrestling as a whole, like our entire multifaceted business, entertainment conglomerate, whatever you want to call it. There's good things and there's bad things about wrestling, both in and off stage, in and out of the room. Yeah. What would you, if you were in charge of everything and you wanted to make pro wrestling a better place, what would you like to change the most and how would you go about that? And that could just be for wrestling overall, or maybe even just Arkansas, if that's all you want to like really dive into. Man, that that again, that's a that's a pretty loaded question right there. Because honestly, there there's no simple answer to that. Uh, because well, you know, if you go you know overall, you know what may need to be, needs what may need to be changed here in Arkansas 
may work fine out there in Georgia. What may need to change in Georgia may, may be what works in California, you know? So it, it's kind of a, it's an overall loaded question. Um, I guess you maybe think about it uh, in your own region. If, if it helps, uh, just keep it to, uh, Arkansas professional wrestling. Well, and I'll still go overall in general here first, but, uh, Overall, in general, especially like when I watch like you know some of the mainstream show, you know AEW, uh, WWE, TNA, all of them, it consistency. You know, um, a lot of places they'll give this this guy this big push, and three weeks in they don't, you know they they'll pull the plug too easily, you know, or they'll they'll push somebody to the moon and that the crowd does not want, does not like, and it's not that they don't like them like they're not supposed to like them. They don't like them because they genuinely don't care for them. So, you know, that in general, you know, could improve. You know, like I said, the main thing is the consistency of it. You know, stick with something, you know. Uh, I really, I always liked long-term storytelling. You know, um, some shows... Because, like, you know, say here in Arkansas, there's several shows that, like, you know, SCW runs once a month. Um, with AWO, you know, we're pretty much, you know, just doing bar shows bi-monthly. You know, so it's hard to do long-term storytelling with those aspects. Right. But, you know, outside of that, you know, like, you got your shows that, you know, you know run bi-weekly or, or weekly or whatever and all. It's just the consistency of doing a long-term storyline, you know, and not with a two-show payoff, you know. That's one thing I would love to see more of. But the other, you know, the other side of the coin on that is nowadays it's hard to keep people's attention on something for long periods of time. People get bored with stuff really quickly they want that quick quick fix you know to 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 turn it around or whatnot you know that all they're they're doing this so slow and it is just taking too long they should already you know put the belt on this guy or something like that and no no because if you take longer and you build you know get this person get these people behind this person when they finally win the big one or whatever you want to call it it means more you know, I mean, and, and that can go for any aspect, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, back in the nineties, you know, late nineties when Goldberg was on his monster win streak, you know, um, uh, he was the hottest item in, in wrestling, you know, he was the, the big deal. And when he, when he finally, you know, won the belt, you know, it was a huge deal, but he had went through starting at the low tier. I mean, yeah, he he always won, which nowadays people would just shit all over it. But back then, it was awesome. You were just waiting to see that one person that finally had a chance to finally beat him, but they built it up. You know, he started low tier, then the mid card, then finally to the main guys when he and then he won the big, the big belt, you know, it had more meaning behind it. Nowadays, guy goes out there for two shows and all of a sudden, you know, well, you know, 
we're going to push him to the moon. He's the champion. Three weeks later, oh, he's going to drop the belt, and he's an opening act, you know? And that's not – I'm not talking right. about just around here. I'm talking about that happens all over, you know? So – Do what? I said so far it seems the Japanese really have a uh, the nail on the head for long-term storytelling. Uh, and most everywhere else, that's like I wouldn't necessarily say a dead art form, but it's it's on its last breath. Well, I don't think it's dead. I would just say it's dormant because okay. you know everything in life rotates pretty much. You know, hell, what was it? A, a few years ago, freaking bell bottoms came back in style. You know, I mean, who in the hell wants to wear those? But, you know, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, people, well, like, we'll get it. We'll say this. A lot of, a lot of guys shit on some of the newer stuff for the no selling and the, the super indie stuff and whatnot. But I can't remember who it was, but it was an older match. From like I think it was like the seventies. I can't remember who, but half the match was them just punching the shit out of each other, and then turn around the other guy punching the shit out of him, and then the finish was some weird lockup, and the guy was literally could have reached straight up and grabbed the ropes, but he tapped. And I'm like, well, where's the realism there, you know? And that's not me shitting on, on any, you know, era of wrestling. You know me, man. I love all different eras of wrestling. It's wrestling. I like it, you know. I'll watch it. But it's a simple fact that, you know, the people that want to, you know, shit on a certain style, but it's still, it's happened before. There's a clip somewhere online of a tag match where there's a fucking springboard outside of the ring. Yep. Very common in Mexico. You know? And I mean, like, how is that? Lucha Libre has been doing this shit for years, you know, but now all of a sudden it's bad. So I just got on a tangent there, but anyway, (laughs) that's what it's all about. People want to listen to your tangents there. Uh, some, so, sometimes I probably probably irritate people with the way I think, but you know me, I'm pretty pretty easygoing. So <laughs> I guess wrestling, everyone's irritated about something. If there's anything <laughs> I've learned, that ain't just wrestling, <laughs> Bubba. That's life. Oh yeah, well wrestling is life for us. So yeah. same shit. <laughs> um, all right, so let's bring it back down to a, uh, a personal level a little bit. So. We've got more of an idea of how you think and where you come from. So what would you say your favorite match and overall performance has been so far as of this day, January 21st, 2021? Yeah, it's the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, that was just a dumb comment. Uh, Ah. Damn. I honestly, you know, I actually, you know, because I kind of thought you'd probably ask that, man. I still have a hard time answering that because, you know, me personally. Well, you do, do what? You could always get, do a, give a top three or a top five. Well, yeah, I, I, but the thing is, though, you know me, man. I, I've never been 
very satisfied with anything I do. You know, I just, I've, I've always felt that something could have been better. Uh, but a couple come to mind. The, the match I did with Alucard up at pro wrestling mid South. Uh, I absolutely loved that because it was a really good build. Uh, and it, I, th- I felt like it was one of my better matches. Um, you know, you had, you know, me, big psycho maniac and then you had him you know this undead vampire guy but you know someone yeah. that actually had been you know had done tv and stuff like that so i was a little intimidated about it at first but man he was a great dude to work with you know and i felt really good about the match afterwards because you know the build to it it was about a two-month build to the match and you know and then you know he went over at the end of it and i felt like it accomplished something. Unfortunately, right. he was supposed to, you know, move on towards the heavyweight title. Unfortunately, during that match, he broke his tailbone. And uh, c- come to find out, come to find out, uh, that was actually his last match. He retired after that. Shit. And Man, uh, I did not know. Yeah, uh, I talked to him. Uh, I, he he was on a podcast. And I listened to it, and he talked about the match. And I messaged him afterwards. I was like, you know, so I was your your last match, you know. And I was like, after everything you've done, are you okay with that? And he told me straight. He was like, man, he's like, honestly, it was a good way to go out, you know. So that made me feel pretty good. Uh, another one that pops into my mind is uh, OCW and Hoxie. Mid card match against Josh Cross. He's going out the curtain, and we don't know what's supposed to happen. We didn't talk about nothing. We didn't even talk about the finish. And I feel like that was probably one of our best matches we ever had. Uh, never said a word in the ring. We just did our thing, man. It, it was so much fun. Um, I can't even, you know, I I really enjoyed that one. But I guess, honestly, one of the top ones that really pops in my head was ASWF uh, Harding Show. It was a triple, triple threat match, hardcore match. Me, Lee Michaels, and Ray Ray. In front of a really good crowd, I was I went into that match heel, and forty five minutes later, when I finally won, I went straight into the heavyweight title match with uh, with Gaston, and won the ASWF heavyweight title. And just the reaction from that crowd, I was instantly baby again. I and up until recently, I I I, I stayed that way, <laughs> but man, just. Yeah. The mat from the match itself and getting that kind of a reaction from a crowd, and all of them, you know, like basically when the show is over, they basically the whole Harding crowd stormed the ring. People wanting to take pictures and just talk to me and meet me and stuff like that. That that right there makes those combination of two matches just really stand out to me. Because, like I said before, crowd involvement. They were invested in what we were doing. Oh, absolutely. Well, it doesn't hurt that uh, 
Because I remember the build for that. There, like you actually got a real build for your match. Uh, the, the triple threat that came first, and Gaston had also had all night been an obnoxious like heel. He'd been a prick and oh, already yeah. had heat. So it was just like the audience had no choice but to love you and all of this crazy shit you got up to that night. <laughs> yeah, that's when I did the flosion off of the side of the ring through a barbed wire wrapped door onto the floor. Whew. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about Super Indy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, my ass hurt for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah? So I had the barbed wire goes into your asshole. I know. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about your favorite matches. Let's point out what's your favorite, uh, a, a either not necessarily favorite, but a, a substantial moment or accomplishment of yours that you're super proud of and would like to share. Honestly, the moment outside of that title win, you know, because like I said, that was a huge moment for me. Because a lot of people look at a at a championship like a prop. For me. For me, it's that company showing that they believe in you. That's the way I look at it, when it comes to me at least. But honestly, the moment that stands out the most for me is the last Harding show that we did. Uh, heavyweight title match against Josh Cross. At the end of it, you know, he, he cheats his way through and keeps the belt. And he had, you know, he's got his little group with him at the time. And nobody knew going into what, what was going to happen. But at the end of that match, he pulled my mask off. And, you know, I'd been, I'd been wrestling with that mask, you know, my, you know, my whole career, you yeah. know, and like I, I talked to a few people afterward. They said that as soon as it came off, my my entire body language changed, and you could, you know, they said they you could see a change in my, you know, in my body language, in my eyes, and everything like that. And I feel like that moment was huge for me because it opened up a whole new world for me in wrestling, you know. I have a very expressive face as it is. And yes. I was told when I when I first started wrestling, I was told by a guy, uh, Scott Fury, one of the first guys wrestlers to add me on Facebook when, when I first started, messaged me. He and he said, If I if you ever take that hood off, you know you're gonna have to be a heel because you just look like an asshole. So <laughs> So I feel like though it, it opened up a lot of opportunities and options for me going forward. So honestly, I feel like that's probably one of my biggest moments. Fuck yeah. The second one, I'll put a second one out there, was the first AWO show. Wasn't necessarily an in-ring moment for me, but a great moment overall uh seeing a vision come true uh, well yeah that was the great uh like what was it like four or five hundred seed 
we, show, right? We sold 415 tickets. And it was a it was a fundraiser for a local church, uh, for some kind of church camp thing. We raised we raised almost five thousand dollars that night. Damn. Hey, before we go any further, uh, I'm hitting close to this mark. I'm gonna throw in another little uh, commercial that y'all might get a kick out of. We'll be right back. Hello, I am Alex, number one super fan. Do you have problems with bladder, contr bladder control? Have you had problems shitting yourself? Well, try Fred James Adult Diapers. Right now, you should go buy some. Because if you shit yourself, Fred James will cover your ass. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're recording now, so they got that. So <laughs> we are back. I uh, hope y'all enjoyed that little fun commercial. But, uh, Will, you got anything else you want to ask before we decide to wrap, try to wrap this up? Yeah, man, I got three uh, last little things here. Okay. So, hit me with a fun road story. I know you don't do a lot of traveling, but I know for a fact that you and I have made Tennessee a handful of times. And also, it's not like you live next door to the Arkansas wrestling shows you do. So any uh, fun or interesting stories on the road uh, would be very appreciated. I got a couple of little short ones, uh, you know, just a little small tidbits. Like, we uh, before this whole COVID mess hit, you know, we used to, after the show, we'd always, you know, you know this, we'd always stop at IHOP there in uh in Cersei. And uh <laughs> I remember one time there was about twenty of us there and uh Texarkana Jones fell asleep across four chairs. So we stacked about twelve cups along his body and about three of them up on his dick. And he woke up and they all hit the floor. But, <laughs> but uh one of my favorite ones though, we were at IHOP and uh, Fred, and those of y'all don't know Fred's the little dude that lives with me and goes to all my shows with me. Fred goes to the bathroom, and while he's in there, my buddy G-Dub uh, switches their drinks. Well, Fred gets back, picks up the drink, takes a big old swig of it, and he looks at it, and he realized it wasn't his. He goes, what the hell? And G-Dub just starts laughing his ass off. Fred looks at him dead in the eyes, straight face and everything. I hope you get AIDS. Like, what the hell, man? Like, you went straight to that? Oh, my God. So that's probably one of my favorite things. The other one is when I saved a, a crackhead from Ray Ray. We were outside, me, him, and my wife were talking, and some dude walks by. He gets about 20 feet from us and starts cussing us, talking about, you know, his bag is leaking and put some salt on it. I told him the salt, there was salt inside of the IHOP. But Ray started making his way towards the dude because he thought he was talking shit about Tab, which he wasn't, you know, the one time I could actually hear. But I just grabbed Ray and just kind of held him on my shoulder for about five minutes, like, just leave him alone, man. You don't know what that crackhead's got on him. That dude would probably stab you in the eye with a syringe or some shit. 
that was a pretty fun time, but yeah, I gotta say the age story is my favorite. <laughs> Good lord. Fred's vernacular is his vernacular is fucking legendary. Just like that hairline. Okay. Oh, brother. <laughs> Along the same of uh, of the fun road story. Any fun little anecdotes for uh, times in the ring where things either go awry or you're both just kind of, what the fuck is going on? Like, just fun stuff happening in the middle of performance that you're trying to not let the audience see. Uh, I actually got one from this last weekend. Uh, I was working with Justin Benson. Because uh, my, my whole goal right now is to try to help make him step up, you know. I I lit his chest up, of course, and all like that. Well, we're like maybe a minute into the match. And I, I bump him, and I, I don't remember what I hit and all, but I farted. And the ref was like, oh, my God. During that match, I probably farted about 40 times. Like, I got him in a... Like I, I'm got him in a rear chin lock, and every time I wrenched on it, I you know put pressure on my gut because I'm you know straining. I fucking and I, I switched up to like a, a the headlock deal where you you know hand on top of the head, hand on the chin, and you're torquing the neck. Every time I'd put pressure on that. I farted so many damn times. Got the referee sitting there trying. He's in tears trying not to cry and probably trying not to throw up from the smell. So then when we hit the finish, and you'll be proud of this, I did my flosion out of a suplex. Hey. Yeah, I did that just specifically for you. As soon as we hit the mat, Oh my God, I let off one of the most rank farts I've ever done in my life. I'm sitting there wondering if I shit myself. Asa, oh, Asa slides into the ring with the kendo stick and stands up in the middle of the ring, like, you know, because she's about, you know, as I slide out, and you can see her standing there going, Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I didn't give no shitty leg drops, but everything else was pretty shitty. singles match I had in Georgia, which was just here recently. Uh, I was working with Carl Hager and we did my uh, powerbomb spot where I come off the top rope. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what it was, but I must have ate something weird before uh, before match time earlier in the day. As soon as we landed on the mat, I farted all over that man's chest. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of a hard thing to really plan specifically. 
mainly because like, you know, and, and everybody knows, you know, what's going on with that, you know, the COVID mess, you know, it, it's harder to, to find a, a, a venue, you know, uh, we got lucky with the bar, um, you know, uh, a little over a year ago, you know, we did our first one there, uh, for, uh, insane Shane's, uh, brother, you know, when he passed, uh, we did that benefit show for them. And, uh, since then, you know, the bar loves having us there, but you know, we can only do bi-monthly. So, you know, I'm hoping, you know, at least at the least, you know, get to continue doing that. Uh, long-term goal is to find a location, like find an actual building that we can set up in where we can do more than this bi-monthly stuff. You know, I love what we're doing, but. I, I want more for it. You know, I, I want to be able to do more with it, you know, um, cause obviously we must, we're doing something right. You know, like the bar, you know, you can only have a certain amount of capacity and every show we've, we've met that capacity. Every show, every show we sell between, you know, we have between 50 and 70 people there. Uh, I think there might've been one show that we didn't make that, but for the most part, we're always at capacity and most shows that are going nowadays can't even get that, you know? So I feel yeah. like we're doing something right. I'm, I'm constantly getting messages and, and stuff from people wanting to come work with us. So, you know, obviously we're doing something right. You know, even if our style of wrestling isn't everybody's cup of tea, we're still, we're making waves, you know, people know who we are, you know? And so, right. Going forward, I just want to expand on that and possibly make some bigger moves to where we can do more with it. Because my whole thing is, is AWO was not something created out of selfishness. It's not like, I know there's a lot of shows uh, that were created because there, you know, certain guys couldn't get booked anywhere. So they made their own show to, you know, so they could be the champion or whatnot. Oh, 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 did I just say that? Uh, but anyway, but anyway, cause like, you know, yeah, yeah. I might own it and all like that, but how often do you see me in, in the main spots? I don't want to be in the main spots. My goal for AWO is to build off of the younger homegrown talent and to give them a place to groom what what they want to become, uh, to build on on their abilities to improve, so that way if they decide they want to travel like yourself, then then they have a good foundation to come from. But then also too, I want AWO to become the spot that people want to come to. That guys out of you know out of Georgia, out of out of the Carolinas, you know, out of out of Michigan, you know, all over this country, that they want to come work with us. You know, I want that kind of reputation for this company that you know because Arkansas wrestling has had a has had a raw deal for a long time. You know, it was known as, as just a bunch of <clears throat> outlaw mud shows. <laughs> so you know. I, and I want, I want to have a good reputation behind what we do. I want to set up a good foundation 
for Arkansas wrestling in general? I think that's admirable. Not enough people have got that in mind. For not just Arkansas, but everywhere. Right. Well, pe- people are, are like, this ain't just wrestling, but life in general. People people are fucking selfish, you know. Pe- yeah. They they only think about what's best for them, you know. That's, that's why tag teams don't last anymore, because everybody wants to be the superstar. And not, nobody wants to be the, the curtain jerker that, that loses all the time, you know. <laughs> I mean, look, man, if the curtain jerker that loses all the time still gets a paycheck, I don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, sir, dude, Mr. Old Man, <laughs> that is all I've got for you. I love you, you old codger. <laughs> Well, Will, I do appreciate I appreciate you coming on the show again, man. You're welcome to do this with me anytime. Uh, it's good to have somebody to bounce off of on stuff, but uh, hopefully we can, I can keep this going. I can try to put out new content every Thursday. Uh, but until next time, thank everybody for listening to Mind of a Madman. <laughs>